Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From KCBS Radio, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Thursday, February 10th. If you're anything like me, the news from Tuesday was music to your ears for a few seconds before you started thinking, but is it really the best idea? Of course, we're talking about rolling back mask mandates. All Bay Area counties, except for Santa Clara County, announcing on Tuesday that they're lifting mask mandates for vaccinated people beginning February 16th. But is it actually, finally, the right time to safely do so? No one knows more about this issue, no one, than Dr. Monica Gandhi at UCSF. She has advised local and federal health departments on mask regulations, and she's been an invaluable resource for us here at KCBS, as well as the Bay Area, having one of the nation's preeminent infectious disease doctors right here in our own backyard. Dr. Gandhi is my guest today. I guess, Dr. Gandhi, my first question would be, is now the right time? You know, it is the right time, in my opinion, in in the Bay Area because of our high vaccination and our manageable hospitalization rates. So I think that it is the right time as we've come off the Omicron surge to do so next week. Well, the larger question then becomes, I guess, the rest of the country, right? Between, yes. man, you can you can pick certain pockets of the country which are still having high, high hospitalization and new infection rates and are states, frankly, that don't have mask mandates in place right now. Other places, New York, Illinois, here in California, strict mask mandates, encouraging and positive numbers in terms of the hospitalizations and new infections. So, what is, I guess, the the fine line, the balancing act of when it becomes appropriate for states nationwide to take this approach of easing mask mandates? Right. So I have always said, or for quite a long time now, actually almost a year from April 2021, when I wrote a piece with Ashish John Saramadad in the Washington Post, that the two parameters we should go to, to look for lifting of restrictions, and of course masks are last restriction, is a vaccination and a hospitalization rate. And the reason that I wouldn't go on transmission rates as defined by the CDC is because cases before we had vaccines meant a lot. A case meant that someone could get very sick. Now that we have vaccines, cases and hospitalizations de-link or decouple from each other in highly vaccinated places. And beyond that, as you know, our cases are in a way all over the place because some places test more and some places test less. So I think the cleanest way to do this for the entire country with federal guidance, which I hope will come, is using a vaccination and a hospitalization rate. I would use a 70% vaccination rate in that region. 
and on the hospitalization rate, confirm that you have continued ICU capacity because that is the most important place. Why did we lock down? Why did we use masks? We did it to flatten the curve. We need to ensure that our hospitals have good capacity. So at least having at least 15% ICU capacity, for example, and, mm-hmm. and only 20% of the people in the ICU being there for COVID, some sort of metric like that, so that we know we have a hospitalization and vaccination rate that's safe to lift our restrictions like we're doing here in California. And here in California, ballpark, what do those numbers look like by your own metric? And I guess, is it time now to effectively and appropriately and safely uh, start to look at statewide saying, hey, masks can finally come off? Yes. So I did do that calculation actually on Monday for my own kind of research, mm-hmm. um, looking at the, uh, there's a particular tool that's really important. It's the, it's an HHS, HHS tool that tells us hospitalizations and ICU capacity for all hospitals in your region. So when I looked at that, I could see that, for example, Mississippi um, does not have 15% capacity left. They are they are more than 85% full in their ICUs. I would not lift it in Mississippi. Um, and uh, Tennessee, same thing. But I looked at all five of the states that uh, where the governors had announced lifting of mass mandates, which were New Jersey, New York, um, California, Oregon, and Connecticut, and Delaware, actually, so six. And they all fit within these parameters of 70% vaccination rate and having plenty of capacity in their ICU and not having 20% of the ICU capacity mm. being taken up by COVID patients. Mm. So when I did those calculations, and if the White House um, adopts this, then what happened on Monday with all these governors would be completely in line with federal guidance if they decide. Very interesting. Would you apply that to school children as well, saying that if if a mask mandate is lifted in a city or county that that not only applies to restaurants or concerts or church services, but that can also apply to schools? Well, I would only because children are less at risk for severe disease than adults. On the other hand, and I think this is an important caveat, Oregon said it's going to be the same day for schools and for the general population. Mm. New Jersey said the same thing. As you know, California said just for the general population, but not for schools. One idea for schools is that it is really we want to ensure that our hospitalizations and our burden of disease is low. And so to wait a little bit, like, say, wait a month, ensure that we're still absolutely in the right direction and then lift them in schools. And the reason I'd say that is there is a little bit of a difference in schools that our vaccination rate is not as high as we would have liked Um in the United States in general among five to 11 year olds. So it's really just ensuring the burden of disease stays low in the community before lifting it in masks in schools. Last question for you. Uh, last time we chatted here on the podcast was when Omicron was emerging and we were just starting to learn about the nature of it in, in terms of being so much more infectious and transmissible, but not as virulent. Looking back from, say, mid-December when Omicron really started to kind of kind of take over for a little bit versus now, did we did we dodge a bullet with that one in the fact that we had vaccines in place and that people knew what what interventions and what what precautions to take? And how do you look at Omicron now versus even two months ago? 
Yeah, it's a great question because I happen to have been working in the hospital for the last four weeks. Um, and so I really feel like I have a firsthand perception of the variant in a highly vaccinated region like the Bay Area. It is just simply true that our vaccination saved us. Um, we had uh, uh, people who were in the ICU or very ill, unfortunately, were people who uh, were unvaccinated adults. And then there were a lot more admissions, but some of them were because we just swab everyone's nose, this so-called with COVID versus for COVID. And that's why our hospitalizations actually for COVID remained very controlled because we have vaccinations. And then third is that hospital staffing is always harder in the winter, especially right now because we needed to stay home if any of the hospital staff were exposed to COVID. So that reduced our hospital staffing numbers, but it didn't mean that we were flooded. And so the important part is what we just talked about before in KCBS, uh, we saw it really did come true that in places of high immunity, they could weather it. And perhaps it is less virulent inherently, but I wouldn't, I'd still want people to be vaccinated. And I, I just can't stress that enough. Right. Always useful information from you and i do appreciate you taking a few minutes of your time know how busy you are so thank you so much and and hopefully when we chat in a few more months we have even better news to talk about so i hope so too it's (laughs) it's a trend we'd like to start thank you yes thank you for more information especially the specifics on where mask mandates are being rolled back where they're not and why, and what specifically you'll be able to do without a mask and where. We've got all that covered at kcbsradio.com. Thanks again to Dr. Gandhi for joining me today, and thank you for listening. New episodes of Bay Current are out every day, and we would love to be part of your daily routine. So subscribe to the Bay Current podcast on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or just about anywhere you listen. And we're also on YouTube on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you again tomorrow. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.